Laura, welcome. Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent, 7.30. The review of the Home Affairs Department conducted by, uh, well, former Secretary of the Department of Defence, Dennis Richardson. He had a look at the, uh, well, the companies who were awarded contracts to run our offshore detention centres. He found a lot of things he'd probably preferred not to. He did indeed, Philip. Um, you know, the, the colourful stuff is about uh, how some of the contractors were connected with drug runners and all sorts of things, but we don't know exactly which companies they were and um, and what, what they got the contracts for. But a lot of this confirms um, some of the really terrific reporting that was done by my former colleagues at the Financial Review some years ago about firms... Um, uh, that uh, had contracts to run the Manus Island Detention Centre. They got over half a billion dollars for it, despite the fact they didn't have any actual experience in doing such things. Um, and well, most of them hardly existed as companies. I remember well, that. That's right. We, 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 I think we discussed how they basically were letterboxes in obscure places like Kangaroo Island, Philip. Um, and they're in our sort of rather glamorous photos of um, one of the. Um, major figures in this particular contract and his, or well, pictures of his very luxurious yacht anyway. Um, and I suppose the, I suppose the thing that the, the Richardson report really reveals is that they weren't properly assessed, uh, which we sort of knew. Um, I don't know if you remember, but in some earlier Senate hearings, I think it was probably Mike Pizzullo, who, uh, the former head of the department, who essentially said, or it became apparent under his watch that um, the view was, well, we can't find anybody else to do it. Now, one of the reasons for this is that it was such a dog of a contract that any major um, company ended up not wanting to touch it because we were such pariahs internationally with the way we were treating our offshore detainees that um, there was such reputational damage done to really big companies that they couldn't get anybody to actually tender for this thing. So uh, despite their reservations, they just basically handed this money to people who weren't actually able to do it, which I think is the most scathingly terrible indictment on um, the country, let alone um, the people involved. But uh, it is pretty extraordinary that when this emerged today when uh, Senate uh, estimates were on and the new secretary, Stephanie Foster, was basically saying that it was a bit uh, of a case closed, that um, that she'd sort of said to Dennis Richardson, is there anything I should be doing as a result of all of this? And he said, well, no. Um, I think the idea is that, you know, it's all done and dusted. But it just shows the absolute incoherence of the way policy is made. It's another reflection on all that contracting out and consultancy work that uh, we've heard so much about in the last 12 months. Now, I recall an investigation by 60 Minutes and the Nine Papers mm. on a company called Paladin, extremely unpalatable Paladin. Talk to me about that. Well, Paladin was actually the one I was referring to, Philip. The work originally on that was done by my colleague Angus Grigg and a couple of others at the Financial Review and pursued further, um, as you say. Um, so that was that was a, you know, a really red-hot um, a story because, you know, the, these this company basically had uh, responsibility for the safety, security, feeding, housing, all those sorts of things of um, a group of people on Manus Island and, um, you know, the, the whole thing just 
didn't work really well. But there's a series of other contracts as well involving other uh, detention facilities and, um, you know, the whole story is not an attractive one. Uh, the Dennis Richardson has said that a number of matters have been referred to um, the federal police or to the new anti-corruption commission. So it will be interesting to see how that all plays out in time, if it if it if it does see the light of day. I understand the report also revealed that Home Affairs arranged for KPMG to audit Paladin, but at the Excellent. but that the audit was conducted. Can this be true on the wrong company? Well, look. You know, unfortunately, it can be true, Philip. I mean, this just, it just the whole thing, you know, these were basically completely, um, they weren't fictitious companies, but they were sort of companies more or less in name only. It was sort of like if you registered um, uh, Philip and Laura Proprietary Limited with two bucks, that, w- that was about the level of corporate sophistication involved here. And as a result, Uh, as Dennis Richardson says, it was pretty hard to do any sort of serious investigation of them. But he says, you know, the most cursory look would have given reason for alarm about, you know, a range of companies that were involved in this process. Okay, now, Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill says that there's no need for a Royal Commission, though uh, the Teal Independent, Kylia Tink, has been pushing for one. Um, th- that's right. But um, I think, once again, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we've now got this anti-corruption commission um, up and running. So the question is, is it better to leave this... Given it, this is, um, you know, there are two issues here. One of them is about the fact that uh, a lot of companies of dubious origins um, got a lot of money out of this and didn't actually provide the services. The other question goes to how this was allowed to happen. Now, of course, as people have pointed out today, this is essentially what happened with robo-debt in terms of the um, public administration or maladministration of this, which you would think would would be a good case for uh, having a Royal Commission. Um, But on the other hand, um, the Anti-Corruption Commission is up and running. So... You know, it depends which way you you like to butter your bread about the best way of proceeding with it. Now, Richardson's declassified report does not identify the companies with links to suspected corruption and drug smuggling? No, well, you'd be pretty astonished if they did. But once again, that's probably a really good reason for all of this stuff to go to the, the NAC, the um, anti-corruption body, um, I think, rather than necessarily uh, into a Royal Commission as, as, a, as a first round. It's a myriad of problems within that uh, one topic. Now, how has uh, Peter Dutton responded to the report because it happened on his watch? Um, Peter Dutton hasn't really sort of addressed it um, directly. Uh, he's you know, just basically uh, moved on to a, a different subject, Philip. Um, he's previously basically said that, um, you know, that... Uh, it, that he had no involvement in uh, these contracts being uh, negotiated and that, so therefore his hands were clean. Um, this is in response to some of those earlier investigations. Um, but the opposition has moved on to, uh, in question time today and in general, it's moved on to the attack on this is- on the issue in home affairs of immigration detention. Um, we've gone back to the High Court case last year, um, which found that a, a lot of people were being uh, effect- effectively illegally held in immigration detention. Uh, in estimates uh, today, we've heard a lot more detail about 
you know, where that's up to, and so he's and gone on who, the tech And on who it. were released. Now, we're that's looking right. at a roll call here. Seven murderers, 37 sex offenders, and 72 violent criminals. So Dutton's got a very good rod to beat the government. Uh, he Well, he does. Once again, let's split it all up. Um, the government quite rightly argues that the High Court decision being what it was, uh, they had no choice but to release um, all these people into the community. The focus then becomes on the extent to which they can, the government has, the government and state authorities have been keeping an eye on all of these people and making sure that the community is safe. Now, they've revealed that there've been quite a series of um, offences committed since um, since that time, um, uh, but uh, and that not all of them are wearing ankle bracelets, but. I think once again we don't know quite enough about, you know, what what everybody's been charged with, who's wearing the ankle bracelets, to get a really clear idea of what's happening. I'm having a mingle with Tingle now because I live in a cave. I'm not up to speed on what's happened with my local member Barnaby Joyce. Can you fill me in? Well, I was walking along the street in Braddon the other day, Philip, um, and uh, there was a chalk marking on the footpath of the outline of a man. Um, so um, Barnaby Joyce, uh, based on his account, was uh, walking home from um, or was walking towards his accommodation after a long day in Parliament uh, the other night and uh, sat down on a flower, flower box to um, talk to apparently his wife, Vicky Campion, fell off, continued to talk while lying on the ground and issuing quite a lot of profanities now, the images that people have generally seen of this um, you know, are, are pretty astonishing for a former Deputy Prime Minister and somebody who's now being paid uh, by taxpayers to sit on the opposition front bench. Not to sit uh, on flower pots. <laughs> or to fall off them for that matter, yeah. Philip. <laughs> um, I mean, I find it absolutely astonishing, frankly, that uh, instead of people saying, you know, this is just not good enough, everybody's saying, oh, we're worried about his welfare or, you know, gee, this isn't good or whatever. Barnaby Joyce says he made a mistake by mixing um, alcohol with medication. Uh, unfortunately, um, his form in the past rather dims this um, uh, excuse. Um, and I think it says a lot about the Nationals that the personal animosities within the National Party, um, in the National's party room, are such that there are still people who support Barnaby because they don't like David Littleproud or whatever, um, when you've got this guy who's basically not making any really obvious contribution to the parliament these days, um, he's making a complete goose of himself in incidents like this, and um, nobody's saying, look, enough, no further. Particularly, particularly, Philip, given the various... Um, uh, sanctimonious uh, treatment that's handed out to other politicians and even to other women um, in, in public life. Finally, tomorrow is the anniversary of the apology to the Stolen Generations and uh, we've seen yet another report showing how very far we are from closing the gap. Expecting any announcements tomorrow, Laura? We are, Philip. I think the government's been very cautious about getting back into the Indigenous affairs space, to be perfectly uh, frank. Um, and I think it's been pretty obvious. Um, I think they're going to use tomorrow to try to do a bit more of that. Um, there have already been some announcements on 
jobs and getting um, Indigenous people job ready, uh, floated, um, various other tr- jobs and skills um, and health initiatives. Um, so I think there may be a, a first attempt at trying to reframe the debate about Indigenous affairs tomorrow. Well, let's hope something useful comes out of it. It's been a terrible 12 months for Indigenous Australia. Laura, thanks for your time as ever. My dear friend Laura Tingle is the Chief Political Correspondent at 7.30. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.